0: Welcome to Murphy's Law, I'm your host Perry Murphy. Today I'm joined by my friend Bob Foster of the podcast Foster Chronicles on Anchor FM. Uh, Bob is a regular guest host here with me. Very insightful, I really enjoy discussions with him. Uh, Today's topic is going to be on peace, uh, referring to the symbol. Hey Bob, how's it going? Going great Perry, hey, thanks for having me on the program. Oh my pleasure brother um i always love talking to you it's uh we go over some pretty pretty interesting stuff you and i
1: yeah pretty heavy (laughs) stuff and you know the the other thing i like about working with you perry is that uh, i kind of get that vapor lock just before we go on like what am i going to say and see the cool thing about working with perry murphy folks is that when you start talking to him there's no fear of nothing to say I, I just I just turned into this fountain of, of blah.
0: So yeah. Uh talking mm-hmm. talking to, talking to you it. helps
1: relieve the the anxiety any anxiety
0: I had about about going on the air. <laughs> oh great. Well I'm glad you're relaxed. I am too. Um I'm doing this podcast from my homestead in Fremont, Wisconsin. And Bob is in Washington State, up near the mountains. I've seen some of the photographs of where you live, man. It's just beautiful. Thanks. Just beautiful. Hey, uh, so today's topic we're going to focus on peace. So why don't you go ahead and uh, just jump right into this topic, okay? Sounds great. All right.
1: Um, if I can take it from here, I, the other the other thing I wanted to also point out, Perry, is that in preparing for in preparing for um, doing a podcast with you, what I what I inevitably end up doing is like what I did when I prepared for this one. And I actually had to do some research or look like a complete idiot. The cool thing is I learned a lot, so I'm going to start, oh, yeah. I'll be able to learn and share this information as we go. So it's really kind of a yeah. selfish thing I'm learning anyway, um, symbols, symbols, uh, as, as you know, we're, we're all familiar with symbols, you know, stop sign, uh, international symbols and in traffic. Those are known internationally, so they are, they are considered an international language. Um, although we may not, we may not recognize it that way. Symbols as an ancient language is called semiotics, not to be confused with symbiotics. Semiotics is actually the study of the sign process. In other words, the formation of signs, and then uh, which includes the production of meaning with those signs i didn't know such thing existed i didn't either now it is said that the world's oldest symbol is actually the double-headed uh eagle motif and it's one of the oldest symbols known to man actually and apparently that person appeared in the early bronze age in mesopotamia and i i've got all my dot com references that i can post later if you like Um, The the focus this morning uh, actually is the modern peace sign and its origin. Everybody knows the modern peace sign. Um, The modern peace sign is a circle with three lines, three distinct lines, one going from the 12 o'clock position to the six o'clock position and then two other lines that go from uh, a 45 degree angle off of that single line. So it looks like well if you turn that symbol upside down it looks like a little tree inside of a circle. So basically that's that's where we're going with this. Now what we have since discovered is that in ancient rune language the ancient symbology of the um what we could say uh, uh the upside down version of uh, the peace sign looks like um, a, a little tree, or a man standing, or a woman standing with their arms upstretched.
0: Uh, That—that's completely- so. There's two versions. Can I can I interject here? There's yeah, two versions. Yeah, please there's do. There's one. That, there's one that there's one that goes down, and the arms point at like I'm gonna say you know like four o'clock, and then at like eight o'clock, and then the one that goes up. Where the arms go up that pointing at like two o'clock and ten o'clock. Yes. So the one so the peace symbol that's up means means life and peace. But the, the, the arms that are going down, pointing down to the bottom of the circle, means death or war. Now I this was interesting to me, Bob, and this is why we're on this topic. Since the 60s, you know, this is where I first was exposed to the peace sign, upside right. down with the arms going down. And I saw it everywhere growing up in the sixties and seventies. You know, the flower children, the hippies. Yeah. And uh, I mean, I was even uh, drawing those peace signs on my jeans in school. <laughs> and I was not aware that what I was looking at was a death symbol, meaning meaning death. So yes. I was shocked. Anyway, okay, I won't interrupt anymore. Please no please no answer. no you no. Involved.
1: Please interrupt. You yeah. know that that's what that's what makes this conversation so rich is that we get.
0: So, we, so you and I, you and I, doing our little research here, and of course, from our uh studying of the teaching, we became aware of the fact that this rune or the symbol, this peace sign, was in the wrong position, pointing downward, and that it should be turned up in the upright position to mean peace and um and life. Okay, now. That We also discovered, you and I, doing our research, we looked back at these runes. these runes, R-U-N-E-S, that you just described. And we found these runes in the ancient uh, symbol languages. Correct. Just stunning. And the one that points down means death, and the one that points up means life.
1: And that is so, absolutely corroborated historically, as I'll explain here in a minute
0: okay so um so we, we you and I first became aware and were exposed to the peace sign in the in the late in the mid 60s during the Vietnam War and then we've yes. been looking at it the wrong way ever since ever. I guess <laughs> ever since yeah so how did this peace sign this new peace sign that's derived from the ancient ruins, how did this come to be can you go into that how did I, how do we can... get this upside down peace sign
1: okay um I'd, I'd love to explain that and uh, I again i'm learning as we go actually there are two people involved in in the creation and the perpetuation this is a peace sign necessarily um now when you say new peace sign i say new peace sign or new sign because this this particular logo or or word picture in the form of a of a sign was actually only created in 1958 when we say new peace sign that's what we're talking about when we're talking about old peace sign we're talking about those symbols that represent peace that are either forgotten or they actually mean that as developed by whatever culture did it now to get back to the peace sign as we know today originally in 1958 it was designed by a man uh, a British man named Gerald Holtom H-O-L-T-O-M uh, in 1958 as a logo for the british campaign for nuclear disarmament and they were a group mm. at the forefront of the peace movement movement in the united kingdom at the time and this and uh, this symbol um, he developed he did for that movement and so um logically what he came up with was, you're a navy man i'm a navy man we know what semaphore is we know what the the the, the communication with flags is so yes. the the uh so when you take two flags one straight down one straight up in the 12 o'clock and the six o'clock position okay mm-hmm. and that's that's uh that's one so the composite semaphore signal for the letters n and d the end n is two uh two arms outstretched pointing down at 45 degrees with the flags and that mm-hmm. resums, represents the letter end as in nora and mm-hmm. the and one one arm raised up above the head and the other one down to the ground is the letter d nuclear disarmament so that's what they represented when uh gerald created this symbol in 1958 but the story doesn't end there um because Gerald had uh, an intimate connection with the British campaign for nuclear disarmament of the day. And as a graphic artist, he developed this. And that so, was... So,
0: he, so this, this Gerald Holtham, I'm reading here, uh, too, from uh, the same... Uh, your article you're reading from, and you're extrapolating this in data from right. this information. And I see here that um, I did not know this: that he was an anti-war and counterculture activist in the U.S. and globally, even though he was a British, uh, a, a British um, citizen. That's um, correct. Also- the other
1: thing is, is also he wasn't. He was a um, um, a Christian pacifist. Um, oh, in in, in, in his in his culture, I didn't know that either until this morning when I when I read about him. Very interesting guy. Go ahead. I'm sorry.
0: So he was disparaged over nuclear capability, obviously, and the guy's obviously intelligent, uh, uh, very well um, first in nuclear technology for the day. I mean, 1958, um, and he understood that uh, this nuclear capability that we had was the one it was the most dangerous weapons that humans could possibly develop exactly so he he was it was an activist to, um so he created this this symbol and i see here that you know you're, you're talking about semaphores i was in the navy i worked on a flight deck uh, i know uh this language of uh, the sign language it is using flags and then also um in, in conjunction with uh, uh light signals uh flashing of the lights in, in certain in certain suspect patterns. So what we're talking about here is a visual language um, that has been with us for centuries since the runes. And this person, he, you know, from his semaphore background and his understanding of communicating with these ways, he, he incorporated that into the symbol that he was creating is in, in an activism effort. Am I getting this right? Correct. And, and then um, he created this uh, um, with the intent to um to get information to people through through this symbolism through this graphic uh to instill um uh activism toward nuclear uh disarmament and so, peace am i getting this am i getting this right
1: exactly so he created this symbol the circle is to uh it basically means the planet and then okay, the symbol sort of like the globe right and then the semaphore the the semaphore letters N as in Nora and D as in David N and D are superimposed over each other and set inside of that circle nuclear disarmament nuclear disarmament of the planet and and, and it served its purpose now as my friend Paul Harvey used to say for the rest (laughs) of the story Uh, yes (laughs) Paul
0: Harvey
1: I love that guy yeah yeah great guy um, the rest of the story is there's another person involved who ended up with his creative artwork, another artist in Britain. Um, he ended up actually perpetuating this symbol commonly saw, commonly seen in the, in the 1960s as the symbol for peace. And this gentleman was also part of the British campaign for nuclear disarmament in 1958. And he knew Gerald Holtum he also credited Gerald Holtham for having created that logo. OK, so the
0: back story there, I'm, dig- right. I'm digging it. I'm loving it.
1: So so this man, Eric Austin was an, not just an artist, but he was an instructor in university um, teaching, teaching his craft. Now, he adopted Gerald Holtham's um, um, artwork, this piece, this nuclear disarmament symbol. It's not a peace symbol. And what he did was to, he was doing his part as an artist. He took uh, little ceramic buttons. He created them in in the kiln. So he's just like little pottery buttons that he would uh, draw uh, with with, uh, white background. He would draw black, the black symbol of what is called the peace symbol, which was Gerald's uh, logo. And he actually, uh, went and fired up a bunch of these little pins for all of the other activists to wear. So that became the logo of the British Campaign for Nuclear Disarmament. Now, the kicker is neither one of them patented this logo. So when it hit when it hit Europe and the United States, it it took off in popularity like a firestorm. Now it became the peace symbol instead of the symbol for nuclear disarmament which came out of britain right so now uh, eric so uh, eric austin is credited for having and and basically he had discovered this this symbol actually he discovered that it was a it was a gesture of despair this symbol and this hmm. this motif had long been associated with the death of man and the circle with yeah. the unborn child so these had very old meanings as death and, uh, uh, but actually credit, credits hold them for its genesis. But these symbols predating 1958 meant these other two things of despair and, and death.
0: Okay, so I want to put the brakes on right there for a second okay. over something here. Yeah. So I'm trying to get this right in my mind, okay? So these people, these activists are were compelled for some reason to go to an artist's table and create imagery okay now um, they had to have been in, intelligent people that had some some sort of secondary education because obviously they knew the importance of creating a symbol and then presenting it to the public okay and to inspire uh, thought on on a topic now the narrative also was important that they delivered where, okay, you create the sign, you put it out there and you include it with some words that say this sign means this. Right. Okay. So, um, so you, you put it out there. Okay. Now this guy, he made these buttons, these ceramic ones who fired, you know, put into a kiln, fired him himself, fired him up and then made these buttons. Okay. There's another person who understood the importance of taking the signage, not only presenting it to the public, but actually putting it on your body somewhere. Okay, wearing it right so that anybody that you engage sees that symbolism right on your body. That's a little different from seeing a carbon or rock from being on a poster, from being on a billboard and then taking it from uh, the um, the ancient symbolisms and what they meant or what they thought they meant. And then not only creating the imagery for, for the media to distribute, but to put it on your body and have it on your body to project that imagery to people who would see you. Right. Okay, I just want to go over that important topic because I think you and I are going to come back to that.
1: It is. It is. It's um, vitally important to realize that because what they discovered and what they wore on their bodies meant their the movement that they were supporting. So it doesn't mean peace at all. Hmm. What, what is commonly seen as the peace symbol does not mean peace. Is, is that symbol was created right. was created for a movement in 1958. So it doesn't mean peace at all. It was misinterpreted, and and the fact that it wasn't right. it was never patented uh, meant anybody could use it.
0: <laughs> right. So yeah. So it, it evolved, and and the peace symbol that we call the peace symbol today, which is not really the peace symbol, has had many faces is what you're saying. Yes. As the imagery progressed, it started out as one thing, evolved into another thing, and then again evolved into another thing. And I guess the youth in the late, early 60s, with the Vietnam War going on, hijacked that narrative, didn't they?
1: They did. They did. That the, became, that the, became it was, the symbol for peace. Unwittingly, it was truly, the, historically, it was a symbol of death.
0: Okay. Okay. So I thought for our listeners that you and I, you and I have belabored this several times. We understand this, this information. We've gone over it in our groups and we, we've talked about it, but our listeners are unaware of this important evolution of this um, rune or this signage or this uh, semiotic imagery. Okay. Um, so it was largely propagated through the world, literally, As a peace symbol, when in fact, it's an upside down rune for death. So, now what we're doing is we're trying to bring awareness to people. You know, I want to just talk about a story here once. I had a relative say to me, not long ago, he came to me and he said, Perry, my peace sign is upside down. (laughs) And this is a guy, this is a guy who uses the peace symbol, you know, tie-dye shirts, older guy, you know, free-loving hippie from the 60s kind of you know person and it dawned on him that even all the album artwork that he has you know the grateful dead the mamas and the papas all these um jimi hendrix all these album covers throughout the years all have the incorrect peace symbol on them right and and even today you see signs and flags that are made and people are buying and in this art form uh from that cultural time There, he so anyway, he said to me, I read that article that you posted on Facebook and it blew my mind about the ancient runes, you know, R U N E S, the rune signs uh, being upside down or right side up, what they actually mean. I go, Yeah, isn't that fascinating? And he was just blown away. Guy in his late 50s always, you know, thought the peace sign was upside down the way it's supposed to be meant peace. And he said, He said also to me, He said, Well, why would we, why would that be? We're at peace and i sat there and silently looked at him for a minute and then i said we're not at peace we've never been at peace ever and so that realization that that thought process led directly to that for us it was, it was quite amazing yes yeah so anyway
1: and, 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 got and this if, if you thought. want if you want to prove that let me let me throw this in there for for those that aren't aware of this um years ago i was uh, i hung out with a bunch of radical cops And these guys said, you've got to read, you've got to read the War and Emergency Powers Act of 1933, because what it does, it set the foundation for a perpetual state of war. And it is, since its inception in 1933, we have never not been at war. So speaking literally, we have never been at peace since 1933.
0: Well, even before you know, even before true, that. True,
1: true, true. But but that but that was that was for me that was the beginning, because when you when you view what we do as a country, and and how we deal with our conflicts, this has to be understood. Because if you don't understand that we've been at a perpetual state of war since 1933, as documented by the act, we don't. We, we keep we keep fooling ourselves into thinking we have been at peace for any length of time. In between, when I read the for- War and Emergency Powers Act, I was depressed for three days.
0: <laughs> I never read. I've never read that. I've never read it, but I understand the meat of what you're saying. I've never read that, but I'm going to now. Uh, now that you mention that, and that might be something that you and I maybe want to discuss in another podcast. How? Um, okay, it's done for profit, Bob. We know this. Okay, this is true. We're yeah, done for they want to make sure that they perpetually are always funded and always are making money off of activity like war. Check. Okay. Exactly. So you and I know this. Okay. So we've got this peace symbol now and we've taken it upon ourselves as well as other people to begin a campaign to make awareness to people that this peace symbol is upside down. It should go right side up with the arms pointing upwards, which means life and peace. Um, So... I'm kind of moving around here, trying not to (laughs) puff and puff too much. So where where does this now, the symbolism that we have today, and and it's emerging in the public, this has a uh, deep-seated psychological impact on people. When you create a symbol and you put it in front of somebody and they see it. Uh, I worked in advertising for a lot of years and this is important. The colors are important Uh, and there's a whole psychology behind uh, imagery. But this, these uh, ancient symbols that go back thousands of years are powerful because these these were the emerging languages of the world, if you will. And I'm finding that in our ancient cultures, we were communicating with these symbols. And these symbols were known worldwide. We're finding these symbols in archaeological digs globally. Uh, you know, uh, looking at your... your um, outline here for the podcast, and, it, and you've, uh, you're at the point here where, you're, where you have the Sumerian language section up. Correct. And I just want, I just want to um, go over this. So these ancient symbols, uh, when did those start? When did these symbols started to first appear in our culture as humans on the earth?
1: Well, um Semiotics, the study of the study of symbols as an ancient language, uh, it, you'll find semiotics is is as old as we are. From the time, the moment we picked up a piece of charcoal and started drawing lines to communicate ideas, that's when it began. So it's anybody's guess exactly when it began. However, um, the very first uh, writing system that that used symbols was the cuneiform script now cuneiform script was created in Mesopotamia 3200 years ago it's traceable and it was the first um, first language written in symbols now mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, th- that Sumerian language uh, being the first one stands as the first one using symbols as language now the Chinese, uh, I have done no study on their language. I would have to venture to say that the Chinese language written in symbol predates Sumerian, but then I'm not a scholar. I can't say that with certainty. Mm-hmm. So this um this Sanskrit, um, if you look at um if, if you look at ancient Sumerian texts, it looks like little, little, like little lines, like they took a the end of a regular screwdriver and just kind of poked it into wet clay and a variety of configurations which actually create words so from yes
0: and and also and also mathematics and and uh, geometry oh yeah and uh, their 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 language form in that way was quite advanced for just being what we would consider like sticks and symbols
1: it really was very advanced it really was and they actually um, they created the really uh, probably one of the first alphabets known i know that there's probably an alphabet out there that predates that um it is said that there is alphabets that are even older than that but rem of of which remnants are found in ancient writings uh one one for example would be um, um sanskrit actually is considered the mother of all languages because sanskrit itself uh is 2000 years old but um that does not predate The cuneiform script written by the Mesopotamians. So, if we if we just look at the creation of symbols into into words and sentences, you're conveying ideas very efficiently. Now, if you go back to using symbols to convey information or communicate, now you're going back to the oldest form of communicating, and I think it is probably it's probably. If if done right, symbols can, once they're put together, and this is evidenced in language, once they're put together, as long as the meaning is universal and the reaction, the subconscious reaction to that symbol is, is, if it's found to be also universal, now you've created a language in symbology that actually transcends uh, current written and, and oral languages. So now, now we're talking about yes, a, uh, Yeah, yeah. And and I think I think that you brought that up also. We we've, we've become aware of uh, an ancient uh, a, a very ancient form of languages in, in symbols in that correct.
0: Yeah, so you know, this peace symbolage, the the signage that we're on, we took an interest in this the runes, these ancient symbols, and how they're being regurgitated into the into this time and in space in our evolution. And we want to spread awareness to the public that these runes have a deep-seated meaning that goes back thousands of years. Um, In the Meyer materials, it talks about a cosmic language that's been in existence for millions of years and that we're exposed to it. And that not only are we biologically connected to it, uh, these peace symbols, but we are also spiritually connected to them. I think this is important to let our listeners know too that there is a language out there that is all symbols and it's 7,000 plus images that are used throughout the universe to convey messages and to communicate. Right. And hopefully we're going to be evolving into understanding that here in the coming times.
1: Hopefully. 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 Um, hopefully. We, we It can, it can then, only help <laughs> this stage in the game.
0: It uh-huh. can only help. Yeah, yeah. So peace, get peace right. That's the, that's where we're at. Get peace get right. peace
1: right. Uh, if you're on Facebook, um, it, yeah, do a quick search for "get peace right," and it'll bring you right to Mark's uh, personal page, and where he tells the story and shares with him his uh, experiences in, in correcting this ancient symbol. To me, not. You know, to mean not not death, but to mean peace when it's turned right side up. Mm
0: That's as important to get that information. It really is. I yeah. So Bob, so um, the symbolism that we use in our current languages today. You know, I want to talk a minute about uh, languages in general. Okay. It, thousands of years ago, it was obvious to us and our archaeologists now that there was a uh, language being used on the earth. And some of these are, you know, we're finding out that some of these archaeologists are, um, are putting numbers out there 15,000 years old, 25,000 years old. What we're finding out is the history of humanity and the languages here on earth go back much further than we than we know. And what we're finding is, is the deeper we go back, the more we're finding out that these cuneiform and Sanskrit languages um, are all based on symbols and later what we call runes. And we're starting to rediscover the roots of how we communicated as humans tens of thousands of years ago and also the evolution of language and how it arrived here on Earth. So this is a very interesting topic to me. We talked about this Get Peace Right. It's so important today when we are in perpetual war. The United States is doing a very good job of funding a war machine that primarily serves the wealthy elites in this country. I do not remember receiving any reward from our escapades in the oil fields of Iraq, and I was told that that we were going there to depose a dictator, when in fact now we know uh, through the um, through getting information now through the Privacy Act, we find out now that all these wars that we've done were done so in a capacity that was honorable, and we've been inciting violence throughout the world to perpetuate war and destruction and never be at peace. And this is important. If we can generate the symbolism to get people focused on peace again, and to come back to that as just humans, there's no need for us to be in perpetual war other than to serve people who wanna make profit. That's the only reason we're doing it. And our young men and women are all voluntary force here in the United States are sacrificing their lives a few wealthy psychotic greedy elites that are trying to dominate the world and we know that's not going to happen there's other players on the field stage right now that are not going to let that happen and we have these massive uh weapons of mass destruction nuclear weapons in this and uh, others apparently according to mr trump yes we've got these wonderful new weapons that are way worse than nuclear weapons oh great <laughs> yeah and I wonder what threat we're going to use those against. Are we going to massacre more innocent women and children to steal their resources? Uh, you know, are we uh, in a game here of thrones where it's the guy with the most weapons wins and is to rule the earth? In any capacity, what that means for us uh, citizens below these psychopaths is, mess, is misery. And I want to live in peace. I don't want to, I don't want to have to um, sacrifice my children for a cause that doesn't benefit me anyway. It only hurts me. It's a negative, negative, you know? So I'm on this, I'm I'm on this campaign to bring awareness to the world. Yeah. Go ahead, Bob.
1: That, that, well, uh, pardon me for breaking in there. That was, that's the one thing that I've learned by um, immersing myself in the creational teaching, spiritual teaching is that, Never was peace won by aggression. Never was peace won by aggression. And this was solidified when I began to read books like The Might of the Thoughts, The Way to Live, and, and The Goblet of the Truth. These books tell us how to get peace, and we're going about it the wrong way. When we have, a, when we have symbology, if we have ancient symbols that tell a different story, I think it behooves us to at least look into the veracity of that and why that is.
0: You know, here's the thing. I now understand why languages were created. Okay. I didn't before the Meyer materials, but I understand now. Same here. According to the Meyer materials, there was universal language that everyone understood. And basically what happened was us humans here on earth, after you know we evolved here the way that we did, nefarious actors, uh, people who wanted to have control over the masses created their own languages and, and only um, allow those languages to reveal so much to the population about knowledge. And basically it was an attempt to prevent the public from gaining knowledge and this way, the, uh, the leaders, the kings, the queens, and the warlords had control over the population because they had control of the knowledge. So they slowly started to eradicate these uh, old languages um, so that the people could not become knowledgeable again. Right. And so these languages emerged all over the earth. And of course, the Meyer materials, uh, he is suggesting that we move towards a universal language of some sort and um, you know, preferably Dutch, German, uh, because of its colorful, very descriptive way that it's used, uh, leaves very little to assume what a person is trying to convey in a message. There's no slang, okay? It's either formal or informal. And we need to move towards a universal language that we all understand. Of course, preserving our own heritage languages, our own regional languages, preserving those, but also learning simultaneously the universal language by which we right. all communicate with each other across cultures and across continents.
1: This is another thing so, about peace, and this is another thing about peace. I'm getting off the topic of, of, of uh, symbology, but this is another thing about peace. Um, when you subjugate a, um, a group, and you, you destroy their language and destroy their belief system, um that that is an act of war. That's an act of aggression. And anytime that's done in the name of peace is a lie. It
0: can never foster peace. You know? It can never yeah.
1: foster peace. Indeed. Indeed. And unfortunately the scars that are left on the DNA that their prodigy inherits um may or may not make a difference in the future and how these how the uh, their prodigy is, is able to resolve conflict. Now, this this is a subject for DNA, you know, discussing DNA, RNA, and talk about talk about having you know meet meet for the uh, meet for the talk. And it, those are endless subjects we could get into, but but it's but they're connected. They're directly connected, and symbols are directly connected to the psyche through their universal meaning. So when we look at when we look at symbols historically. We've got to dis- we've got to at least look into what the symbols meant, how they can were conveyed, and how, how they were used. Now we've got we've got a couple and how of it, Im- and-
0: and how, it in- how it impacts our subconscious and our psyche too. Yeah, you know, exactly. that in
1: exactly. Exactly, and now you and I both we've we've just covered two symbols which are popularly recognized: uh, the 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 wrong peace symbol or the peace symbol and the swastika. Now these symbols have ancient meanings that are completely different than the ones that we attribute them to in, in our modern times.
0: And I think this is, a, this, this is an intentional act on the world leaders who want to keep public from discovering this hidden knowledge. And this is hidden knowledge and is also referred to in some circles as the secret sciences. Correct. And so basically they split us apart into these islands in different languages and created these cultural differences intentionally so that we could never communicate effectively between each other, so that forging peace and coming to an agreement and, and so forth were harder and almost impossible. And then when we were threatened or when an aggressor was threatened by an indigenous culture, our first act was to wipe them out, to demoralize them, to force a religion on them, a belief system whereby, whereby we could control them even more. Correct. Okay. So there has been an ongoing thing throughout our history that the ones in power have this knowledge. They have access to this knowledge They keep it secret from everyone else. And they use it as a weapon against the lower classes, the caste stay, the poor, um, the minorities to keep them in a status in status well below them so that they can retain their wealth and status and power for eternity. This is terrible.
1: It is terrible. The, it, it, it's, and, called a cri- it's called a crime.
0: <laughs> yeah. Oppressive crime on everyone, not just right. minorities, on everyone. Even white people are victims of this in the most heinous ways. So, and I think uh, I, that's why I wanted to do this podcast with you because, you know, people, you and I, we were kind of, we found some information that was just groundbreaking, earth shattering. Uh, we found the truth. And we're looking into and we're vetting out what this what is written in the teaching. We're taking the teaching and we're taking it into the public sphere and we're researching and analyzing perspective and we're making some incredible discoveries. We
1: we are we are uh, we are making some some incredible discoveries. I, I, I wanna I wanna coin a phrase um that physicist Friedhoff Capra um it was it actually his work. He wrote a book um, called the, the, "The Tao of Physics," and he actually equates the study of physics with Eastern mysticism. And one of the things that he said: uh, human beings currently on the planet Earth are are actually in a crisis of perception. And it's just like you say, how, how we perceive ourselves, how we perceive our ourselves actually dictates how we navigate our life day to day and the kind of thoughts that we have day to day.
0: And then the resulting cause and effects of our thoughts and actions.
1: Right. The resulting behaviors and the fallout from that. Exactly. Cause and effect. There it is.
0: And these laws of nature have been hidden from us, okay, unintentionally. I find it interesting that the Vatican and some of these ancient uh, religions all had access to this wisdom, this knowledge, thousands of years ago. And then what they did is they effectively, quite effectively, I might add, buried it and convoluted it and made it almost a crime to have this wisdom and this knowledge.
1: Oh, indeed, it's a crime.
0: So that they could impose their will upon the unknowing, the uneducated, and the lower classes. And so this crime against humanity has been ongoing in secret for many thousands of years. And the Meyer materials, if you're interested to our listeners, if you're interested in how that all came about and how that developed and how the human species emerged here on this planet, it's all laid out for you in the Meyer materials. I highly recommend you go take a look at this. And if you are an educated person listening to this podcast, you have a degree and you're interested in science, astronomy, um, Volcanology, uh, medicine. In these Meyer materials, you will find groundbreaking information that you are not aware of, that you should be. Okay? His information is being vetted and verified to 100% accuracy as time fulfills. You will be blown away. And there is a huge effort by many governments to silence this man. And make sure that people like you and me and our listeners never find this information for as long as they can get away with it. Because once we discover the truth, once we discover how the natural laws of nature work, and the secret sciences and this wisdom becomes available to everyone, the leaders are scared. They do and not I... want us to know this. Go ahead.
1: Yeah, um, I, I, I do want to. I, I do want to temper. Uh, your statement about uh, learning the truth. Now I, I, I like the term. Uh, I, I like the saying that goes, um, the truth will not set you free, but learning and living the truth is lasting freedom. That I like to say that now mm. I'm going to, I'm going to admonish anybody listening that is not familiar with the Meyer material. If we say categorically, that it's the truth um, that's, Incorrect because that really is merely a belief in that I am going on the veracity of the information as um, Interpreted by somebody else and, and even Meyer himself says do not believe me mm-hmm. If you search for the tr- if you search for the truth and you find the truth and you live the truth then it is your truth but Don't believe think for right. yourself.
0: Right, yep. Um, that is something that I should mention too. Proselycizing this information is against the rules, so to speak.
1: That's that's true because we don't and we don't own it. We haven't lived it. We don't, don't own it.
0: We don't own it. We haven't lived it completely, but we're on our way. And that's what's Indeed. exciting for me. Is that exhilarating is. <laughs> because, but like I said, with this peace sign, the more like this is just one instance of thousands in the Meyer materials where he says, he says, go look at this. Go check it out and vet it for yourself. And that's what we're doing. We're not taking anything that we find in the minor materials for face value that we can't vet and prove for ourselves, okay? If we can't prove it ourselves and we can't live it ourselves and experience the truth ourselves, then it is simply an unknown at this point. Now, the leading signposts that the natural laws present to us humans lead us to knowledge. And basically that's what he's, he's trying to convey to everyone here on earth is look guys, How's it working so far? (laughs) We all know know the answer to that. Uh, I'm going to, you know, I normally, I'm trying to temper my language, but frankly, it's a shit show on earth right now in every way. And you know what? That's kind of, that's kind of, I was depressed about uh, the way the world and the way things are going. And this kind of led me to searching more and more and more. And this is how I found this information. So I'm in the process now of trying to not only understand it and read it and learn it, but apply it in my life and vet it and go find out for myself and research and look and dig and dig and dig and dig. And I'm just astounded, just astounded.
1: The the more you look, the more you find.
0: Oh, it's never ending. It's, it's, uh, it's perpetual. Okay. I just want to say this too. Knowledge, knowledge is not something one person can hold in purity. Okay. No one person can have all the knowledge because knowledge is always evolving. Okay, there is nothing definitive today that's going to be definitive tomorrow. So we have something to we have something to look forward to as we evolve and as we learn new things come to us. that give us that aha moment. I, I didn't realize that before, but now I do. And I just want my listeners to know and your listeners to know that we're living that and we're experiencing something incredible. And that's what we want to convey is that, look. If shit's not working out for you right now, you gotta you gotta change it up. You gotta change yeah. it up, and you have yeah. to help yourself because no one's gonna come to help you. The government's not gonna help you. Your teachers aren't gonna help you. You have to take the responsibility, and you have to move forward on your own terms in life and exercise your true free will and find out what. Yeah, that don't means. take
1: somebody's don't take somebody's word for truth if you don't find out for yourself and you don't own it. You're a hypocrite if you say it's the truth and don't know it.